Good morning, everyone. It is day four of Holy Week. Hope you are doing well. Today is Maundy Thursday. Where does that come from? Well, it's from the word for mandate. It is the day that Jesus gives his disciples a commandment to love one another. It's the day that he uh, washes their feet. It's also the day where uh, he uh, is the Lord's Supper. So uh, mandate, new mandate, new commandment to love one another. Uh, So today we are continuing our study of the Passion Narrative, uh, and we are looking at the trial today. So far we've done the triumphant entry, we've done the Last Supper, the uh, uh, Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and now today uh, Jesus has been arrested and we are in Matthew 27, and it is Jesus before Pilate. Now, Matthew tells us only of the second appearance of Jesus before Pilate. Uh, The other Gospels have Jesus going to Pilate, then Pilate sending him to Herod, then Herod sending him back uh, to Pilate. But uh, so Matthew gives us an account of the second, uh, Jesus' second visit to Pilate. Uh, And so we start uh, with verses 11 through 14. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is as you say, Jesus said. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Uh, So um, it's interesting that Jesus just doesn't refuse to say anything. I'm sorry, doesn't say anything, refuses to say anything. And so uh, Pilate says, Are you the king of the Jews? Do you claim to be the king of the Jews? Jesus could easily have said, no, I don't know what these guys are talking about. And it would have been over. I said, well, if you don't claim to be the king of the Jews, why are you here? What crimes have you committed? None. All right, have a good day. Right? Um, but he says, yes, it is as you say. So Jesus doesn't lie. Right? When accused by the chief priests and the elders, he doesn't even talk to them. Just ignores them. Uh, you know, he just gives this simple reply. And uh, uh, you know, Pilate is just amazed. It's to the great amazement. Why would you stand silent? Pilate, I'm sure, has seen hundreds of people come before him, all accused of a crime. And every single one of them, I'm sure, has done all that they can do and said all that they can say to get out of it. And here's Jesus, who's accused of a crime that Pilate doesn't really understand, who's accused of something that Pilate doesn't even really think he's guilty of. I mean, clearly this guy's not a king. Clearly this guy's not, he's not trying to raise an army, right? I would have heard about him. And he says nothing. Like, why aren't you saying anything? Defend yourself. Give me a reason to set you free. I don't. I don't see any reason. Anything you've done wrong. What? Uh, so I, I. I don't get it. Say something. And Jesus says, "No, I'm not. I'm just not." Right? I mean, I've said this in my sermon this past Sunday. Would you lie to set yourself free? Would you lie to save your life? Sure, you would. Would you tell the truth to save your life? Absolutely. Jesus could have done either. Jesus could have lied, said, no, I don't know what these guys are talking about. Or Jesus could have looked at them and said, they're the problem, not me. They're they're manipulating you. They're lying to you. They're trying to get you to do something you shouldn't do. They're lying to the crowd. Listen to the crowd. I mean, they're manipulators. They, They don't like the fact that I'm speaking for God. That's it. That's all. They don't like the fact that I'm claiming to be God. Well, that's something else. But anyway, Pilate was amazed that Jesus didn't say anything. So, verses 15 to 23. What does Pilate do? 
Now, it was the governor's custom at the feast to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. First off, what? 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 I mean, imagine this. It's the custom of the governor to release a prisoner once a year. It's like, hey, uh, who do you all want released this year? You know, Charles Manson or Jeffrey Dahmer? It's like, why would you release someone? I, I mean, it, it, it's got to be. I, I, I just don't get that. But anyway, verse 16. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who was called the Christ? For he knew it was out of envy that they handed Jesus over to him. Okay, stop for a second. Pilate knows that it's out of envy or jealousy that they handed Jesus over to him, and yet he still continues with his farce. It's like, you know he's not guilty. You know they're just jealous of him. That's why they want you to get rid of him. But yet you continue. Okay, so Paul, verse 19. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him a message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two of you do you want me to release? Barabbas, they said. What shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? They all answered, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Um, so Pilate knew that he had an easy way out of this, right? To, I can release a prisoner. So why don't I just let Jesus go? So I'm going to bring Barabbas. Barabbas was, uh, Mark 15 tells us that he was a murderer and in an insurrection. He was leading insurrections. It was like a revolutionary terrorist. And he's like, that's a bad guy. So if I bring out this bad guy and then Jesus, they're going to be like, oh, well, we don't want him to be free. So I guess give us Jesus. But, uh, you know, he sees the manipulation of the religious leaders and he just continues with it. He's like, you know what? Um, the, the religious leaders get the crowd to yell, Barabbas, Barabbas, Barabbas. And so then he's like, well, what what about Jesus? They're like, Crucify him. Why? Uh, here's what I don't understand. There's a lot here I don't understand. Why is Pilate playing along? I guess to keep the religious leaders happy, whatever. But if Barabbas is convicted of a murder, he was a murderer and an insurrection insurrectionist. Why isn't he already crucified? Why is Barabbas still alive? If Jesus is crucified that day for a crime that they can't really, well, what is the crime? There isn't really one. Um, you said, uh, uh, wait, right here, what shall I do with the one who's called the Christ? Who, the, I mean, it's an innocent man. Even his wife knows it's an innocent man. And yet they're going to crucify him. They're going to put him through the crucifixion express lane. But Barabbas, who's an insurrectionist and a murderer, we're just going to let him hang out in jail. How does that make any sense? Anyway. So the religious leaders, they knew the best way to influence Pilate was to get the mob on their side. And so they do whatever they have to do to get the mob on their side, right? Um, Pilate knows the right thing to do. I mean, he's in this moment. He knows the right thing to do, but he's willing to do the wrong thing to obey the mob. How sad is that, that he's willing to do the wrong thing to obey the mob? And we see this happen all the time in the world, right? It's the loudest voices in the biggest groups that gets their way. 
And the, the loudest voices, the biggest groups, and usually those with the biggest pockets. They get their way, right? That's just the way it happens. All because the religious leaders were jealous or were envious. We're envious. If we look through scripture, in so many places, there is the story of envy or jealousy that turns into murder. Look at Cain and Abel. Uh, look at Joseph and his brothers, right? They, they were jealous of his coat. They were jealous. To, and so instead of murder, they, they were going to murder him, but they sold him into slavery instead. Uh, I mean, when we're jealous, when we're envious of what other people have or who other people are, or the gifts they have, whatever it might be, we, it's so dangerous to be jealous. It's so dangerous because it just leads to bad things. In the Bible, it leads to killing all a lot. I mean, can you be jealous of something? Can you be like, oh man, I wish I could sing. Like, I wish I could sing like our music minister, Vanessa. I wish I had that gift, but I don't. I'm not so much jealous. I'm in awe of it. Uh, I w- I got a little jealous. I wish I could, but you know, that's okay. I mean, it's not like I'm a envious, like where it's like, it's all I think about. Like, oh, that Vanessa, it's not fair. She got something that I didn't get. I should have that, you know? Uh, when we start thinking that others have something, and the reason they have it is because they've taken it away from us. That's a very scary place to be. Uh, so be, be wary there. Okay, verse 24 through 26. Just one last note on that. Jesus was getting notoriety, and people were starting to follow him, and people were starting to listen to him. And so he was taking away from the religious leaders something that they had and something that they felt like was theirs. Uh, They felt like they had authority from God. That was their right. And this Jesus guy did not have the right to come and take it away from them. Uh, And so when we think that we have something from God that is only ours, I mean, that's, that's dangerous too. So, okay, verses 24 through 26. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting... He took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood. It is your responsibility. All the people answered, let his blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Again, why does Jesus have to be crucified immediately? If Barabbas who killed somebody isn't. Anyway, so the question is, Pilate guilty for this? Is Pilate guilty? I mean, you could say Pilate, Pilate tried to let him go, right? Pilate bears no responsibility for what happened to him. As a matter of fact, he washed his own hands. So he clearly bears no responsibility. But come on, he doesn't get a pass on this. Uh, he's the one who sentenced Jesus to death. No one else. He's the one who had the power to do it. No one else. Uh, even his wife knew what he should do. He failed to give Jesus justice and... Uh, Pilate is the reason Jesus was crucified. It was his decision. Now, later on, you know, it says, let his blood be on us and on our children. Uh, That has led to a lot of anti-Semitism. You know, some Christians are like, well, it's not Pilate's fault. You know, let's, we're just going to blame the Jewish people. It's not Pilate's fault. Uh, Even the Coptic church, according to William Barclay, uh, they have Pilate and his wife as saints. uh, And it's the Jewish people right? Because they're the ones who said, let his blood be on us and our children. We'll take responsibility. Don't worry about a pilot. It's not your fault. It's our fault. We'll take, we'll take full responsibility. Um, and so this has been wrongly used as justification to persecute Jewish people for a long time. It was not, I mean, it, it, it was Pilate's decision. It was Pilate's decision. And, and we, I mean, the fact that Pilate 
sentenced Jesus to be executed, knowing he did nothing wrong. Not only that, though, before he, he executes him, he's like, fine, whatever, he, uh, execute him, I don't care. Uh, f- flog him first, I don't care, whatever. The fact that he had no regard for this man's life, who he didn't really know, who he knew wasn't guilty, but he's like, all right, whatever. If we're gonna, if you're gonna crucify him, flog him. I don't care. I mean, just that that kind of disregard for human life. It no, you don't you don't get a pass. You don't get a pass. So what is flogging? Well, it was completely unnecessary. I mean, if he had, if you if he decided that he was going to crucify him, okay, crucify him. But the the flogging is just extra fun. I mean, it's what's the point of that? Um, so basically, flogging is you have a whip with many leather strands, and on the end of it is either bone or steel or something, uh, and they would just take it and they would just whip, uh, uh, whip the prisoners on their back until their back was raw flesh. Um, and sometimes prisoners died during it, uh, even before they were crucified. Um, the, the goal is to you know, just make the victim put as much pain as possible, basically just short of collapsing and dying. Uh, and so, uh, a couple, you could see a couple reasons why the Romans might do this is because when people walk by and see, uh, see the, see the, the criminals on the cross, they're really bloody. And it's not just because of the crucifixion. It's not just because of the nails. It's because of the, the flogging that happened beforehand. And so not only it's not grotesque enough to put somebody on a cross, you have to flog them first to make it more grotesque. Right. Uh, and also they, they'll die sooner. People will die sooner if you flog them first and put them up. Uh, so, I mean, just a terrible, terrible thing. And so, uh, all right, verses 27 through 31. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his hand, his right hand and knelt in front of him and mocked him, Hail, King of the Jews! They spit on him, and they took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. So for a crucifixion, they only needed four soldiers called a quaternion uh, to carry out the execution. But instead, they're like, eh, let's gather the whole company. So they did. They gathered the whole company. Said Verse 27, gather the whole company of soldiers, the whole garrison, all of them. Passover time in Jerusalem. So they knew that there would be a lot of people coming. And so a lot of people coming means more soldiers are needed. So there's a lot of soldiers in Jerusalem, right? Uh, and so, you know, they have all, they're like, hey, let's, let's have some fun. Let's, let, we're going to crucify this guy. So let's beat him first. Uh, so when a prisoner is crucified, they were usually nailed to the cross naked to increase their humiliation. And so what they did is they, they beat him. They took his clothes they put a staff in his right hand. They put a staff in his right hand, like a staff that represents like a king, you know, that this, and they put this crown of thorns on his head and a staff in his right hand. And then they took the staff from him and they beat him with it as if, I mean, the, the, the symbolism here is, you know, we're going to say you're a king and then we're going to take this thing that says you're a king and we're going to beat you with it. I mean, uh, just the symbol is that Jesus says that I am a king, and that's why he was killed. And they used that against him, literally, the, the, the signs, the symbols of being a king. Um, and then they, uh, they led him on a march to the place of crucifixion. 
and uh, it just is terrible. They put the cross beams on his back, which probably weighed 75 to 125 pounds, and he was just forced to carry this all the way through, all the way through the city. And people had to see him and knew where he was going, and uh, that's how it happened. They they marched him through in the most humiliating, painful way possible, uh, and we're not even at the cross yet. Uh, So... That's the trial and the beating, and tomorrow we talk about the crucifixion, tomorrow on Good Friday. So uh, we will stop there, and we'll close with a word of prayer. Uh, Good God, we thank you for the gift of your Son, whose death has brought immeasurable grace and mercy to us. Uh, We pray that um, through his suffering, Lord, that uh, we might know what it means to be loved by you, and that we might share that love with others. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everybody, have a wonderful day. We will see you tomorrow on Good Friday.